Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the BME. I am your host, Bryce Meyer, and welcome back to the second episode of the BME podcast. I am so excited to show you guys what I've been working on. I'm sorry that it's taken so long to get this second one out, but I took a lot of the feedback that you all gave me, and I really have tried to make this thing a lot better sounding and flowing and overall just better for you guys. So thank you for listening, taking time out of your day once again to take a chance on the BME and I hope you enjoy the episode. This episode of the BME is sponsored by Nobody. Unfortunately, nobody is sponsoring this episode, but if you are interested in becoming a patron of the BME, I have some good news for you. I now officially have an email for this podcast. Yippee! Yippee! I know, very exciting news. And it doesn't even have to be for sponsors. If you are generally interested in giving feedback or just want to know more about who is making this podcast, feel free to send an email to thetruebme at gmail.com. That's thetruebme at gmail.com. No caps, no spaces. And I will try to respond to any of your questions, concerns, or anything else on your mind as soon as possible. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the trivia segment of the podcast. Today we are going to kick it off strong with our very good friend of mine, Sam Olson. What's up, Sam? Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Are you excited for this awesome, awesome trivia? Man, I can't wait. I mean, you did come up with the idea, so I expect you to be a lot more enthusiastic <laughs> about this. Oh. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, we're going to get this thing started with a very awesome topic, very relevant topic, which is Valentine's Day related trivia. And I bet you're so excited to hear that, Sam. <laughs> that might be one of my, my weak areas, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so basically how it's just going to go is I'm just going to kind of give you a question and I'll give you some leniency on the answers because some of these are kind of like kicking the ass, not going to lie. <laughs> but you you will get a point every time and if you get five points at the end, we're going to reward you, Sam. I can't wait. Bring it on. Well, we're going to kick it off strong with this very, very first question. Going back to Greek mythology. So you got to think back, Sam. I know you know your Greek mythology. This is For the sure. question. Cupid has what name in Greek mythology? A. Eros. B. Neptune. C. Mars. Or D. None of the above. 
Um, I'm gonna have to go with Eros because that sounds Greek. <laughs> you are correct, Sam. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> One down. How does it feel? You actually know what you're talking about, somewhat. <laughs> yeah. Bring on the next one. Got this? Okay. Another historical one. When was the first oldest known Valentine's Day message written? And I'll give you a hint. It's around the time that Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean. <laughs> I feel like 1440? <laughs> I'll give you a few more chances because this is a hard one. It's okay, be okay. lower than lower. That. Okay. I'm probably like 14th century, maybe. Uh, maybe 15th. 14. You are in the 1400s. Oh, okay. 14. 40? Two? <laughs> You just said 1440, dude. No, no, 1442. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. Lower? Lower than that? Lower. Okay, okay. My bad, my bad. Uh, 1435. Still a bit lower. You got one more chance, and I'll give you a better hint. It's in between 1410 and 1420. 14. 12. So close. It's actually 1415. It's an Italian <laughs> letter found on the coast of Italy, and that's all I really know about it. It's very interesting. Let's move on to the next question. All right, I'm ready. Kissing increases most people's heart rate to at least how many beats per minute? We got 80 beats per minute. We got 150 beats per minute. We got 110 beats per minute, and we got 130 beats per minute. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big runner, so I feel like I know heart rate. So I'm, I'm going to go 110 beats per minute. You are correct, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Two out of three questions. You are doing very good, surprisingly. These, but I'm also kind hey, of What can I say? You, I'm a Valentine's Day pro. Mm, yeah, really, really. Okay. <laughs> if, when was Saint Valentine, which is the person that Valentine's Day was based off of, martyred into the church? Now, basically, what this means is he became a saint of the Catholic Church. Is this a... It was a long time ago. Is this a multiple choice, too, or <laughs> I got to just... Gotta let me finish, man. I'm gonna give you. Oh, yeah, okay, gotcha. My bad. Now we got 169. We got 269. We got 424, and we got 987. Those numbers probably are not helping you at all, but I have. Yeah, you can do this. Off one more time. 169. 269, 424, 987. You have to go 
269. That's final answer. Incredible, Sam. That's another one. Yeah. How did you get that? Are you looking this up right now, bro? I'm actually not. What? I buy That's actually pretty impressive. I, that's impressive. That's impressive. All right. If you get this next one correct, we can move on to the even harder question. So you better get ready for this big, big, big question. Well, I'm ready, all right. Love. When was February 14th first declared to be Valentine's Day? And the options I'll give you is 1502, 1530, 1537, or 1528? Um, I feel like it's either... What, 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 was the, what was the third or last option? 1537. Okay. Um, I'm going to go 1527. Incorrect, Sam. No. <laughs> it actually was 1537. And it was introduced by Pope Gelasius on February 14th to be more of a religious celebration than a romantic one. But it developed to be a lot more romantic in the following centuries. Now, I know how much you want to do more questions. So I kind of feel bad for you. And I know that one was a tough one. So I'm going to give you one that you should be able to get. But all right, give it to me. You can't get this. I, I just don't know. All right. Which state has the youngest marriage acceptability law in the United States? You have California, Mississippi, West Virginia, or Wyoming. I'm about to go California. <laughs> you are correct. You see, that was a trick question because three of the states that I mentioned actually have no minimum statutory age for when marriage has to occur. It just has to go through a legal process. It's very interesting. Very good that you know that, though. How do you think you know that so well, Sam? Um, I I gotta be aware of. <laughs> Never mind. I'm, no comment. <laughs> all right, all right, Sam. Congratulations! You got four of the six questions correct. Good job, Sam. Now I'm going to give you some really, really, really tough questions. And what do you want to do for a category? We can go into ancient love, modern love, or if you want, we can throw something else into there different kind of love thing. I'll find some questions for you. Um let's go with uh let's go with modern love. Modern love it is. All right. Here we go, Sam. You are on the modern love era questions. And this is the first question. Which percentage of coupled up men don't make plans in advance for Valentine's Day, according to a trivia survey found in the United States? 
and the options are 32%, 64%, 82%, or 90%. Um, you said, you said the percent that don't make plans? That don't make plans. I'm going to have to go with 32%. I, I hope it's 32%, because otherwise, you guys got to step it up. Are incorrect, Sam. It's 64% of people, according to this survey, which I think surveyed the wrong people, because I don't know how I feel about that, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a little disappointing. Yeah, that's a, lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of faith riding on that line there. All right. And then another fun question. The first recorded speed dating event was held in what year? This is between 1990 and 1999. I will not give you multiple choice for this one. Between, between what years? 1990 and 1999. Um, I'm going to have to go... Like it, it, Gotta be earlier. I'm gonna say 1993. You are incorrect again, Sam. <laughs> I feel so bad. No, I really don't actually feel too bad. But <laughs> it was in 1998. Have you ever been to a speed yeah, dating I, event? I, at least I'm learning. <laughs> been to uh, speed dating, Sam. <laughs> I, I've had my fair share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's surely some more on Iowa State. Plenty of events going on. I mean, I know there's plenty going on where I'm at, so, you know. Oh, well, we, we, got a, we got a Valentine's event for next Monday, I think. Mm, mm, interesting, Sam. The love Rizzler man here himself, Sam Olson. It says, it says you, Bryce. I know, I know you, you've been... Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is about you, Sam. Oh, this, this. this is about you. We don't need to talk about it. Maybe we go on to the next question, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, next question. Next question. All right. What is the Guinness world record for the longest marriage ever recorded? Now, this is a very surprising number. And the options I'll give you is 66 years, 74 years. 90 years on the dot or 86 years? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with 90 years because I feel like that's pretty specific. I'm sorry to tell you, you've got another one wrong, Sam. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that will do it for our Valentine's Day trivia segment. I was hoping that you could keep this thing going, Sam, but you just could not fall out. I guess you really should have used your phone, man. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really let you down. I'm literally, let me just tell you, these questions are coming straight off of the first survey that I found on Valentine's Day trivia. <laughs> so none of these are really that unique, so I feel very sad. I feel very sad for you. It's okay, though. At least I know that you're not actually a cheater like many other people out there. <laughs> including many of the women on Valentine's Day. Mm. Yes. That's spice today, I know, I know. Now, what are your final thoughts, Sam? How did you feel about this segment today? 
Hey man, um, even though I didn't do too great, I'm I'm sure people do better in the future. Thought it was great with the theme and all. Valentine's Day. Thanks for having me. No problem, Sam. Thank you for being our first guest and coming up with the idea anyways, in the first place. Of course. And all the single ladies out there, Sam Olson's information <laughs> will be posted at the end of this podcast, <laughs> as well as his social media. So, if you're I'm, looking I'm, for... I'm 6'3", some... too. Indeed. If you're looking for a 6'3", <laughs> strong as a bored man, in the Midwestern area, I got you with Sam Olson. <laughs> That's just the BME. <laughs>Zombie going to the dining hall, even though it's right right across the way from us. But yeah, I've had enough of dining hall food. Sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, every once in a while I'll have real food, and then I'll, I'll remember like food is supposed to be nutritious, 
filling mm-hmm. and uh, the dining hall food is none of that. Anymore. Yeah, that realization hits me a lot too. Then I realize I'm really not living my best life right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being held back by these dining halls. Yeah. God. Well, how about you tell a little bit more about yourself, Ishan? What do you want to know? I will, I, the listeners want to know, Ishan. Why are you here? Why are you on my podcast? I'm here because I love the Bryce Meyer experience. I love, uh, I love the BME, you know. I think it's okay if I take credit for the phrase, that's just a BME. That's okay if I say You, you can, can Yeah. The story is, basically, I was walking to the dining hall, and then this guy comes up behind me. He says, that's just the BME. And then, like, you know, it's just like a gear went right in the right place at the right time, and it all started turning because I was like, this is the slogan. This is the slogan right there. Uh-huh. The BME. That's yeah. just the BME. Yeah. That's just the BME. So you got this guy to owe for coming up for that slogan. So thank you very much, Ishan. Yeah, thank you. The listeners will never be able to fully appreciate uh-huh. how amazing you are to this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But Ishan, where do you come from? Where do I come from? Man, before here, I came from uh, Massachusetts. I came from Lexington, Massachusetts, the birthplace of the American Revolution. Uh, ba- battle of Lexington conquered, first very, battle. Very big and foreign. It's that one. But, True uh, American. You know, I come from uh, all over. I didn't. I never really spent too long in one place. I guess Lexington is the longest. I spent something like five, six years there. Um, no, yeah, six, seven years, actually. And um, other than that, I lived in uh, California, Illinois. New Jersey, India, England. Oh, wow. So, you know, I'm from everywhere, man. You know, I'm from everywhere, yeah, man. Across uh, the mountain, man. There, man. I uh, wish I knew yeah. the words, yeah. man. I know the song that we're talking about. Yeah. God. Good song. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm, I'm just from a nice little town, Hudson, in Hudson, Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> I haven't moved ever in my yeah. life, but. I, I always thought that was interesting that you've been every, all over the place, you know. It definitely yeah. probably was really cool, I would say. Like yeah. Going all over the place, yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I'd say it's definitely good for me. Um, I, I would say it definitely introduced an element of instability to my <laughs> childhood, which uh, I think was good in the long run because it made me better at adapting to new places, new situations. Yeah, um, yeah. Other thing I've been thinking about recently with regards to that is uh, where do I actually come from? Like, if I had to say, like, where are my roots? That's a well, that's a, yeah. a difficult thing for me to say, because uh, you know I'm I'm Indian, but I'm not from India. Like my parents are from India, but I, I can't say I'm from India. I'm American, but I'm not that American. Like I, you know, I don't entirely belong, quote unquote. I think you so, belong. Think well, you you, belong. you know what I mean, you know. But, yeah, uh, no, yeah, you just... So it's soul. it's like being between places, you know, which is, I think, the experience of most people whose parents immigrated here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have that same thing, too, even though I've lived here my whole life. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, especially when I've hit college here, I've started taking a lot more classes and I've made a realization of like, oh, wow, like, the Europeans really did just like take over the entirety of this continent yeah. and then a bunch of people lost their real home. So, like, can I really say that I deserve to live here? That's how I, I think I do, but it's also yeah. a very questionable thing 
for a yeah. lot of, well, I mean, for me as a white person, you know, it's just like, why would I, what, what am I supposed to think about that? What is, what is morally correct, I guess? Yeah. Because I, I, I feel like I should, I like to claim my German nationality, mm-hmm. but I'm not actually from Germany. Yeah. Germany. I, I can speak somewhat a little bit of German, but yeah. otherwise I don't really understand either. So I, I kind of get you what you're feeling there. Yeah. But yeah, it's a very confusing thing. I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. I am glad to be here. Yeah. I'm glad to be a free man with my my bro Ishan here yeah. at UW Madison. Yeah. Honestly, a great campus. Like, probably, I gotta say, like, the best campus I've ever been to. And this is not biased by me only going to one university. <laughs> yeah. There's no bias there at all. No, this is a great campus. This is a great city. One thing I was thinking about when we were walking down state, um, I was just thinking, like, this is a town with a lot of character, you know? It has its own... Yeah. The town itself has a personality. And, uh, yeah, it's a great place to be. You got the university, and then you got the actual, like, city and the capital all meshing together in this, like, melting pot, and it's very cool on this isthmus. Yes. Yes, what a fun word, isthmus. Between the two lakes. Uh Very beautiful. It is. I think we often take for granted... Sean and I, we both live on Lake Shore, yeah. which basically is literally right next to the lake. Every morning, we wake up and the lake is right outside our window. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely yeah. amazing. And I think today, when I was walking with you from the dumpling place, like across the lake, definitely made a realization of just like, wow, this is a real beautiful place. Yeah. I mean, I guess Braden made that distinction, but it was a really true statement, you know? Like, no, yeah, I could, I could like feel you guys... You know, making, you know, feeling that. Uh, I was I was walking with you guys down the lakeshore path, and I saw like these two dogs playing. Did oh, you yeah, see that? Yeah. Yes. And there, there was like a lot of sunlight. And it, was, it was very beautiful. Yeah, very beautiful. And I just felt very thankful for uh, where I am, and you know, Sometimes everything. This is the kind of stuff we need to stop and just realize, like, life is just so. At the end of the day, we're all just a bunch of people living life. Yeah. And we all have our own little stresses and a lot of things going on, but yeah. We share this world. You know? Yeah. Such a fun experience, you know. It is. It's a great it's a great, great experience thing. like realizing that everyone else suffers, everyone else has, has happiness and like you you can learn from other people from it and you can just like uh, experience like wholesome moments with each other because of it. Yeah. Cuz you can relate with people. And that's why I don't like people that don't talk about their feelings because yeah. they're weak. Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't know. That's a weird, weird thing I've noticed with some people is that a lot of people in like our like age group and like yeah. today's society just don't know how to address their feelings. And like when they do, they often don't do it the right way. I feel like. They how just, do you mean? What do you they mean the right way? They kind of just dump it out, yeah. you know? They gotta realize that a lot of people suffer things. You gotta realize that there's a lot of good things, and you just gotta find the right group of people. I feel. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. One. One thing I I do think that it takes uh some level, and I know I you know it's something I have to work on sharing my feelings with other people, but it does take some level of emotional maturity to do that. And what you were talking about with just dumping your feelings out. I feel like uh, that's the thing a lot of people don't recognize, that sharing 
your feelings and recognizing your feelings and actually engaging with them is more than just dumping them out, but also like recognizing there's a problem going in and trying to be better about it. You know, I think, you know, most people when they have some kind of personal or personality problem, they recognize it, but don't, they see it's something that needs to be changed, but they don't actually, aren't willing to put in the emotional work to change it. Yeah, they don't actually. The first step is recognizing that you have a problem. Yeah, but it's not the last step. It's not the last step. For sure. You gotta be able to address all those issues and you have to understand how you can get help. And that's often the harder step trying to find out where to go. But I gotta say, I feel like I'm in a really good position here mm-hmm. at UW Madison with you guys. Yeah, I feel lot, the same. A lot of a lot of great relationships. Yeah. Just a, that experience out in the lake today has helped me realize that. I have that option, you know. It's very, very very blessing, uh, a very great blessing for me. Yes, yeah. that's, that's how I can describe it. You I know? feel exactly the same way. And another thing about personality is that, like, it's never a stagnant thing, you know. It's always yeah. a changing thing. And so, like, it's complex with, like, how people feel like they have to get help in certain areas. But there's also that factor that they're changing, you know. Yeah. And, like... That changing is always something that you have to try to learn from people, be able to adjust with. But that changing of personalities also could be like a blessing, you know, because I've seen like certain situations like I said, you know, I'm scrolling through like social media on like those reels, shorts, everything like mm-hmm. that. And like I saw like one of those Reddit posts with like the Minecraft parkour in the background, if you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. But, exactly what you're talking but about. But it was like talking about a situation of like this question that they post on like the subreddits where it's like and this one was specifically saying how do people love each other for so long and yeah the one response that i saw was really really interesting and it was like the only way i could love someone for so long is because their personality is constantly changing you know mm. and that's something i never really considered because if I more I think about it now, it's like if I know someone who's got a stagnant personality, like sure, sometimes it could be attractive to have that person have the same identity, but yeah, I wouldn't want them to be that way their whole life. Mm-hmm. Like if I knew the one guy that was a great partier, awesome person to talk to at parties, like willing to do all these risks, like that's awesome right now, but like later on, maybe you shouldn't have that personality, you know? Yeah. You, want those people to settle down get a good life and you got to have that personality change in a yeah. way you know yeah because you're you're a different person at every stage of your life and you yeah. have to you know rise to meet a different challenge at every point which necessarily means you have to be a different person throughout your life which is i mean, I mean it's a difficult thing to be because to what extent can you change who you are you exactly know? because um you know what does it mean to change who you are you know like um I don't know, I'm finding it hard to put it into words, but uh, I always find myself, you know, making like the same mistakes or like doing the same thing over and over. And uh, like, I, I won't notice it in the moment, but I'll look back and I'll be like, I've done this before. I've, you know, you know, failed to relate to a person in this way before. I've, you know, come short in this way before. And I feel like I've changed, but how much have I changed, you know? It's a difficult thing. Yeah. I think like, it's very hard to understand that you are changing 
especially when you're like the only person that would really notice it, right? But you look back like a year ago and you realize, oh, I was a completely different person a year ago. Yeah. Like a whole year ago, I would not be this social. And I mean, in my case, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be this social. I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I'd be like too wary. But I think that seeing that growth and that change, I didn't think at the time that I'd be changing. We get stuck in like a mentality where, like, you know, it's comfortable to stay that same personality. Yeah. But it's healthy to realize and expand, kind of like I said earlier. Change your personality to be a bit more place to be more, like, social or whatever, maybe a little stronger. Just whatever would fit your situation. Adaptability that comes with it. I guess that's not always a positive thing now I think yeah. about it. But like it definitely can be. Yeah. No, I was uh I don't know if I, I think I told you about this. I don't know. Driving my mom over winter break. Sort of spacing out. And I was thinking I am a very different person than who I was two years ago. But day on day, I didn't notice any level of change. Like, I, I can't say I'm honestly different than who I was yesterday or different the day before from who I was and so on. But you have to believe that because there is that change over a long period of time, that day on day, there is some sort of derivative. Yeah. You know? Something there that's slowly changing. Yeah. For, like, hopefully the better, right? Yeah. And, yeah, like, like I said earlier, with my example, like looking over the past year, it's like definitely had some growth, and it's definitely a motivation for me. In to... what ways do you feel like you've grown over the past year? What ways have yeah. I grown? Mm-hmm. Wow, great question. You should be hosting the podcast, here. <laughs> but I think that I have grown significantly in my social aspect. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of had a social aspect, but I've never really had that in like areas that I feel like I should have. Added a lot more, like with my family. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason, I never really established that with my family. Yeah, like it's my family. I love them and everything, but mm-hmm. I never felt like I actually did something with them. So, like over the last year, after realizing, oh, I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna be working a lot more, all that kind of stuff. That kind of like made me realize that I need to, I should be more social with these people. <laughs> they yeah. literally take care of me. Like, almost every day. Yeah. And that's something that's definitely changed, and I think I've grown into. I've been made sure to talk to them and do stuff for my family a lot more. I talked to my mom and sister earlier today, and my dad. So, yeah, it was a try to stay in touch, you yeah. know, because I love those guys. I love those people. That's definitely something that I've grown last year and I've also really grown into uh, I think realizing that of my issues how to handle my issues like putting them out in the world oftentimes is much better than holding them to yourself and letting them build out that that's something I've realized for sure it's like now I can just kind of let loose to people I care about like my friends and I can have that trust in them that they'll be able to to listen to me because sometimes they don't even have to give you an answer or like a, a solution yeah. just letting it out is the yeah. solution you know and that's something that i think i've really grown into the last year for sure 
Great. What do you think? What about for you, Sean? For me? Oh, man. Give me a second to think. Um, I feel like I've become a lot better at not really thinking. I can't tell if this is a good thing or not, but not really thinking as much about, like, what people think of me. and Just, like, sort of, you know, doing at any particular moment what I want to do and being who I want to be. I think that's a, I think that's a good thing, but yeah. sometimes you, that means, like, you're... Yeah losing like track of some other things like you're procrastinating homework or something yeah. but like that's a yeah. good mindset to have sometimes because yeah. some opportunities you only have like once like ever mm. right i so. yeah i know I, f- I feel that way too but i also feel like it comes to some extent like is it that i don't sh- shouldn't i care more about like what the people around me think of me and like isn't that important to like how i sort of measure myself and change and doesn't it sort of signify sort of not caring which is not very good so it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing i think too well yeah but, uh, that's that's definitely one way i've changed i feel like i'm i'm more more responsible and more able to see you know like where what's gonna where i'm gonna be a month from now yeah so i feel like i'm more able to see like there is a certain amount of like fog of the future like you just can't see where you're going to some extent but i feel like i'm much much more able to permeate that now than I would be, say, a year ago. Um, yeah, those are some good things. Um, what about what about you know? Do you, how do you like if you think about yourself a year from now? What do you want to be different? Current position. I'd want to be different. Understanding, kind of like what I want to do with my life. Yeah, because I feel like that's something that's definitely really grown recently that I've had to realize very quickly, especially with college. I mean, it's definitely not easy figuring out what you want to try to do, get a yeah. major for, and figure out for the rest of your life. I hope that I can try to figure out a little more about that path, like what I actually want to do. Because I know that I love engineering, yeah. but who knows, maybe something comes in the way oh, maybe this is not for me at all, yeah. right? But so far, I've loved it here. I've actually got an engineering course this semester that's really been kicking it off for me and yeah. embracing the process as an engineer, and I enjoy that a lot. But another thing that I also enjoy, you know, is stuff like this, like a yeah. podcast or yeah. doing, like, voice acting stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, is that actually achievable? Mm-hmm. I think it is achievable, but do I have the time? I have the commitment to do that all the way. Yeah. That's the real thing for me that like I have to realize. And that's kind of where I put myself like what I want to change in like a year. To have a better understanding of yeah. that balance. Exactly. Exactly. What would you say? I feel like um I feel like one thing I've gotten better at over the last year is being less awkward around people, but I definitely want to be I have a sort of stiffness whenever I'm around anyone and trying to talk to anyone, and I'd, I'd like to get rid of that. Um, maybe it might take a little longer than a year, but i definitely like to be better off in that. I'd like to be better at reading people, for sure. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know. I like that one, too. Yeah, people, people, you know, I'm getting kind of surprised over and over. People don't really uh, end up being the people you thought they were, and I wish I was more able to tell who people were from sort of the first 
first glance because I, I like most everyone whenever I meet them and I feel like I should be better at discerning, you know, who do I want to spend time around, who do I not want to spend time around, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel that as well because sometimes, like, I realize that some people, like, oh, this person's cool, but, like, I should I really be hanging out with this yeah. person? Is this really good for my type of life? But I think that yeah. kind of goes back to what you said earlier where, like, you got to take advantage of those opportunities with these people. Yeah. You know, they're like, there, that opportunity comes, you got to try it out, yeah. you know? Because they're not, they're there and they're gone. So you need to just, you know, everything exists. I feel like one of those, you know, just recognitions that has like a really broad scale application is that everything sort of exists in its season. Like this is only for this time. And uh, I, I, that recognition of temporality, like of belonging to time and of impermanence seems like it would be uh, depressing, but I, th- I think it's freeing. I think it's freeing to recognize that, uh, you know, this or that is only here for a certain amount of time and, not just enjoy it while it lasts, but take from it what you can while it's there to be taken from. And then after that, something something else is coming along, and it's another time entirely. So I, I don't know exactly where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, I think it's completely a great point, though. Because a lot of people, I feel, get lost with, like, the stuff that we all see right now. And they're like, oh, this will last forever. Yeah. And, like, I'll, I'll be so young and strong forever. I could do all this for so long, but yeah. that kind of like you you said, it's like a season. It'll change. Eventually, you'll realize, oh, I have to grow, and I can no longer do this as well as I used to. Like you could probably still do something like playing beer pong all you want, or yeah, watching movies. But like, it would it be as great would for you? Would it still be you? Would it still be something you're doing? Yeah, like it's still something you, you were still doing. Exactly. You have to realize there's that time for growth and change. But some things don't have to change. I uh, One thing I want to talk about is I'm just confirming that it is. Time Yeah, temporal parts. I was reading about um, philosophy of time a while ago. And um, it was sort of... Re- one of these ideas that sort of relates space and time is this idea of temporal parts or time slices where everything is sort of made up of itself at a particular moment in time and all the ones before it all sort of stack together so that I am at this moment, me at this moment, uh, but also, you know, myself, a second ago, another second ago, all sort of forced together. And that's, I think, one way to move from sort of the temporal being kind of... Uh, Kind of depressing that you know nothing is really that constant and everything is in a sort of state of flux um to it being something i think reaffirming that the past still exists uh as a part of the present or stacked on top of the present yeah 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 i kind of i think that kind of goes into what i kind of want to say about like how like some things you got to change with things but some things yeah. you can like still have and remember those memories, you know, yeah. nostalgia. Yeah. Like, for me, I will always, always remember a lot of, like, video games I played as a kid. Mm-hmm. Or, like, my first house that I lived at before I moved to my second one in Hudson. Like, I don't know, I really remember yeah. that and, like, those experiences and, like, they're a part of me yeah. as they layer it over time. Kind of, kind of comforts me in a way to remember 
that stuff and realize I got through that stuff. And yeah. That I've moved on to something new and fresh, you know? Yeah, that's an it, yeah, that's an incredible thing, and it's I don't know, it's it's uh, a little bit, you know, <laughs> maybe it seems like I'm sort of forcing it, but I, for me, it's a really, it's a really weird and strange and beautiful thing that something isn't any less real for the fact that it's not real anymore. It's still a part of you, yeah. and um, I just think that's just a wonderful thing about human consciousness because you know, without human consciousness, that just wouldn't be true because you know, sort of human memory is capable of taking what doesn't exist anymore, ingratiating it in the present, and forcing it to exist again. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, a, a beautiful thing. What do you think is really beautiful right now? What is... You talk about, like, this beauty, you know? And yeah. You think it's a beautiful thing about all this growth, and, like, what do you think is the most, like, beautiful growth you've seen, like, around you right now? Around me right now, the most beautiful growth I've seen. Well, yeah, like, it doesn't have to be necessarily yourself. It could be literally something as simple as, like, nature. Yeah. It could be another person. It could be another program, school. I have no idea. But, like, I'll kind of just go ahead and say for me, like, the growth that I really like to see right now is the start of a lot of people being able to, uh, really reconnect and realize the things of social media are very toxic mm-hmm. place to be. Like, it's very great to have, but a lot of people are just, like, absorbed by that. And they just get so stuck into that that yeah. lifestyle of just scrolling through a bunch of TikToks or snapping back a bunch of people over and over again with the same picture. But, like, I've noticed a lot of people, at least people that I know, like, actually take physical steps to like put that out of their life and actually do stuff that they want to try to do like mm-hmm. it's not even something they enjoy but like replacing that time with something they feel like they need to do like for me I've been trying to cut it out a lot to get work done at college but also mm-hmm. to do something like this you know like a podcast that people can listen to and it's also gives me comfort that people take time out of their day out like social media and stuff like that to listen to the podcast you know yeah so it's like that growth that's a beautiful thing I think. yeah it's the beautiful growth that i've noticed one thing i one thing i think is pr- pretty beautiful is that um you know coming to college i'm surrounded by people my age and we're all sort of going through the exact same shift of becoming an adult from being a child and i think how everyone is dealing with that sort of differently um, sort of a great thing. One thing I one thing I've noticed recently, you know, is that a lot of people really don't grow up. You know, yeah. a lot of people just stay the. You know, we were talking about change. A lot of people just stay the same and maybe recognize that they need to be different. But they uh, choose not to. They choose actively. not to because it's it's emotional work. Yeah. It's difficult. But um, and I definitely have some of that in me, and I I definitely know some people who have some of that in them. But um. You know, I, I just think it's a, a great thing that I think I can look at almost anyone around me and sort of look at them and see them trying to, you know, grow into themselves. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. It's people that oftentimes don't realize that they have to grow. and It's, yeah. it's almost sad to mm-hmm. see that happen. 
I mean, I don't see it happen a lot in my life. I, honestly, I can't really say for me, like I know anybody in that specific position, but I've seen those types of people. Yeah. Like they're just not moving on. I don't know. An example for me is like a rich kid from my high school. And now they have to go outside of high school. They don't have the reliance that they can have from their parents from before. Mm-hmm. And now they have to try to change, but they just simply don't want to. So they're swamped with all this like weird drama that they really should not be in. Yeah. You know, like, like just constantly taking on a bunch of these drugs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they're oh, it's so cool to do this or something, you know? Like, why? Like, I, I don't quite understand how some those people just can't see that they need to change. But, yeah, I totally agree with that. that they, that's just a thing yeah. that has to change. <laughs> Changing to change. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. One thing you mentioned is, you know, having to change that, you know. And But I think I might disagree with you slightly on this because you don't, you know, the thing that allows people not to change is that you don't have to change. You know, you don't have to adapt perfectly to your circumstances, well, which is yeah. why it is emotional work to actually, you know, put that in and try to try to change. I guess, uh, yeah. yeah I, I understand what you're saying. No, yeah, no, yeah. I think about that, too. You don't have to because some people never do change. Yeah, and, and, and you know, they so. can do just fine. But I feel like there's something, uh, I don't know, this. It's uh, it's uncomfortable, but it's, Beautiful thing to be changing is a beautiful thing to be flux. Yeah. Now I want to go back to like when you first commenced here. You, know? you mm-hmm. said you were like went from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, what was definitely probably the place you lived at that definitely probably made you grow a lot more as a person? Like, what place did you make those realizations that oh, mm-hmm. I have to be able to adapt to this? Yeah, a lot quicker. It might have been uh, well. A lot of that moving around was when I was I was very young. So like, um, you know, grade school, early middle school. Well, not middle school, grade school mostly. So I wouldn't have really made that conscious connection. But I did move to um, to England for a year when I was in the uh, seventh grade, and uh, that was definitely a time when I had to. I mean, I, I was in a completely different culture, and I, I sort of had to anglicize myself to <laughs> a certain degree, uh, but also try to maintain quote-unquote like who I was um yeah that was definitely a hard I wouldn't say hard it was fun you know it was a lot of fun to do that but I've I've never found um changing myself to be all that painful a thing I I like it I I like I don't know I it's just not something that's all that painful for me maybe because I I did have those experiences but even even coming here I think would be the second biggest biggest change because you know However much you're moving around geographically, you're still with, you know, your parents. You have that sort of, yeah. But uh, here, you know, (laughs) it's entirely different. Yeah. So, and here I'm living not as a child, but as uh, someone trying to be an adult. Yeah. Say that. No, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never really, like I said, I never really moved anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, like, I guess I kind of just grew from the people that I saw in my small area because i've really gone nowhere i've only been in the continental u.s that's mm-hmm. as far as i've really gone unless i'm forgetting something but i'm really only been like as far south as texas as far east as new york mm-hmm. and like that's about it but 
it, I think it really depends on like a lot of the experiences you have around you too. Cause yeah. like just having the experiences within my own town, I've been mm-hmm. able to realize a lot of this stuff that we're talking about. Change. Yeah. You can, you don't need to go, you know, at, at any point, you don't need to go anywhere to change. You don't need to go anywhere to see something different. You can find that, that strangeness around you that you need. In order to grow. Yeah. Now on all those places, you know, yeah. What what was the place that you think was like the best for you at the time? I think I was, I think it would have to be England because I think um, I just remember it so fondly and at, at the time I was uh sort of dried kicking and screaming across the Atlantic, but I uh, you know I definitely didn't enjoy it at the time, but I remember it incredibly fondly. Um, small details, uh, color of grass was different. I remember coming back to the U.S. and being disappointed that color of grass in my town is different from where it was oh. when I lived in England. I remember, you know, very fondly, th- even things that were not dependent on being in England, like playing here in the backyard, we would take those and we would play around with those and with those and or just like go, go in the reeds and play and that, that was wonderful. And, uh, just, just so much Harrods Toy Store. I remember when we were, um, last two weeks we were there, we went to Harris Toy Store in London, which is a giant toy store, and it was just so much fun to be there. Uh, I <laughs> I remember my parents kept telling me like, um, oh, get something, get something. You know, and I didn't want anything. And eventually, I got like a toy car, and it was just, you know, I was in seventh grade, so I was a little old for it. But <laughs> you know, oh it yeah, was great. That sounds yeah. awesome. That like, yeah. So like, what part of like England was it like? Like northern England, like towards like the Scottish border, or is it like by London? Like, yeah, it was it was by or... London. So the it's, it was in Surrey. It's a town called Weybridge. Um, so not very far from London. Like my dad worked in London. Um, so he would commute in every day, and uh, it was it was basically like a suburb of London. Like you could think of it that way. It, it's a little different than that. But... And what would you say more about like that like world compared to the U.S.? Because yeah. like you you kind of talk about it a little bit like. Yeah. The transport, like, did he take, like, a train? Did he bike? Yeah. Did he, like... He took, uh... Actually, one of the things I, I remember really distinctly is that, um... So my dad went there for his work. And, um... When we went there, someone from his company, uh... I guess they had, like, hired someone to sort of, like, talk to us, like, us uh, kids, and sort of, uh... Acclimatize us to this new environment. Like, oh, what is different about being in England? And all of that. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of it was just, um, you know, things you say, you know, just uh, uh, lift as opposed to elevator or flat as opposed to uh, apartment. apartment. But yeah. uh, I remember distinctly one thing that the uh, the lady there said, uh, or the lady who came to our house said, was that uh, the English are a lot more reserved and a, a lot less uh, open than Americans. So they're, they're, they're <laughs> so the... Um, and and you find out that that is true. Uh, that you know, it doesn't mean that they're any less warm people, but um, they're not as you know. They don't, you know, when you meet someone on the street, they're not engaging with you as much as they oh. would here, which so is like, uh, which is really interesting. You know, I think that's cool. So but, like, uh, is like the conversation there then like instead like in the U.S. we kind of like say, "How was your day?" or like, "How are you doing?" Like, no people. Do I say, mean, people will still say it, it's like almost a thing you can't notice as much but people definitely um it, no people will still talk to you you know people will still be kind to you they're not any less kind but what it is 
is that I think people are more in in themselves over there and like so, it's it's almost hard to explain. It's like almost just a thing you experience, like so a like, sort of coldness. Yeah, okay. But, That's what I was yeah. gonna say. It's like a coldness of yeah, some sort. a, a little okay. bit. And you know, my memory might be distorted a little by the fact that I was like twelve or thirteen. But uh, that's that's definitely how I I remember like thinking, oh yeah, that 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 is true. Um, people are a, a little more reserved. I think reserved is a good word for it rather than cold. But yeah, okay. yeah. I don't know. I think I get kind of what you're saying though, yeah. because like, I think I was thinking of it more conversationally, but like also like there's the aspect like a lot more. We we hang out. A lot of people do a lot more hanging out in a way here than, like, I think than they would do there. Like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. But, like, I don't know. I feel like compared to the, if I was in England, yeah. if I was hanging out with people, the same friend group, but we were in English society, we'd be, like, not doing nearly as much as we would be doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd be hosting parties in the bottom of my basement. Like, I don't think they even have basements over there. Uh, but, well, like... I, I think... I think uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I agree with you because I think a lot of the, those um, differences sort of dissolve at that level, like like when you're actually friends with someone. But it's more like when you're just like sort of interacting with someone on like the street, first or, interaction. Or like, yeah, or like okay. when you're talking to someone, like you're ordering food or something. Like it's, yeah. it's at that level more. But ah. yeah, I remember thinking that was something that was really true. I mean, yeah. they do call the Southern United States like the mo- and the Midwest like the yeah. most like hospitality-inducing yeah. like. Yeah, cultures, people here are really nice. Uh, they're people are like are not like this in Boston. They're not like this <laughs> in Boston. Yeah, and that's another thing I actually want to talk about about yeah. Boston. You know, because is, that, is it true that they really are just that grimy of people, just that nasty, or are they are they just like painted the wrong way? No, they are kind of grimy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of how it is. Uh, I think the best way to tell like how nice people in a region are is by like how they drive. I think people in Boston are drive. yeah. People in Boston are like really. You could tell it because people here when they're driving, they'll stop the pedestrians, they'll sort of let you go. Go by, yeah, okay. you know. But in Boston, it's like, a, like they more kind of just like yeah. go and just like run you over if you get in yeah, the way. Yeah, you have to fight every time you're driving. <laughs> I can't drive, but like, <laughs> when I see other people. Driving. Thank God you got out of there because it sounds like a nasty place. <laughs> oh, it's a great place too. Yeah, I like being there. Uh, and I love, uh, I you know, go home every once in a while, and I love it. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I won't be going there anytime soon, as far as I know. But if I do, you, I'll have to check out Lexington. You can yeah. probably give me there's some. There's a almost, there's not much there, but there yeah. really isn't. It's a suburb, like uh, you know, it's a pretty normal suburb. Right, so like for a place as historically important yeah. as Lexington, there's yeah. not a lot there. Huh? There's not too much. There's the Battle Green. There's um, I mean, there's obviously like a lot of historical places, but they're not. Not that intro, no. okay. So, but it, it is a great place. I love the town. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood there, and I love the people there. And I don't really have anything bad to say about it. To be honest. I mean, no, I mean that's good then, because like, I mean, I don't got nothing for historical monuments yeah. out here in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, I guess like everything that is historical is literally right across the river for me. The Saint, the Saint Paul, Minneapolis area. Yeah. Because that's where all the big companies are, like General Mills and Coke. Or, wait, I can't remember the name. It's a trucking company. But there's a lot of... We, they kind of take that all over there, all the history. Sometimes I get salty about that because I was like... I always question, like, why couldn't it be Hudson? Why couldn't it be my yeah. town? Right yeah. here on the, the river. But also, 
I, I definitely wouldn't want that same situation with some of the stuff that goes down in the cities. But yeah, not a lot of history here. But what do you think, like about like history wise, like compared to Europe and the United States? Like, what was the big distinction? Because like I often hear like the pubs are like from a thousand years yeah. ago, and that's like something that's unbelievable here. You know, like yeah. No, that that is definitely true. That um, I feel like in most European cities, at least that I've been to, there is a much greater sense of history. There's a much greater sense of that this is something old and interconnected with a lot of things that you don't really have in the U.S. But I think the flip side of that is that um, cities in the U.S. Uh, that's even that I was gonna say cities in the U.S. feel like fresher. They feel more dynamic. But uh, <laughs> I don't know how true that is because <laughs> the infrastructure in uh, you know in uh, maybe not. Well, it's definitely better in England, but especially in a lot of other European cities, it's constantly yeah. changing, constantly getting better. So high tech. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I, what I will say is that you definitely can feel the history uh, while you're living there. You can, especially as an American, you know, you're not one thing about being, at least for me, because I don't have uh, roots in this country. Like my parents don't come from yeah. this country. So maybe for you, it's different because, you know, your family. uh you know, is you know, yeah, you're they, from where your family's from. Yeah. So you have like a personal history. But um when I you know, walking around in England, you don't feel it at every moment. But now and then you're sort of struck by sort of the how far back everything if you're standing goes. on goes. You know. Well yeah, I I find that very attractive because my family, they've lived in the United States for the last like uh how long? It's been almost a hundred years or something like that. Mm -hmm. Depends on what branch you go up from whatever my dad's awesome, like ancestry line. He has it all the way back to like the thousands, but like we really cling on to like that heritage of like that time, like that we had that German heritage in this small mm -hmm. village in the middle of the German Bavarian region, you know, mm -hmm. like you just think about that stuff and like, you don't see it here. Like, yeah. The only thing you really see that here is like going on the East Coast. And that's something that I was very surprised about even here in the United States because like I went to Washington, D.C. Mm. right before I came here with my dad for a trip. And I kind of just like checked out like the history. I just wanted to know like the history, like the foundation of the country, you know. And I, it was like surprising to me to think, oh, this building was made 200 years ago. But like thinking about your situation with some of the buildings being like a thousand years yeah. old, like that is, that's crazy to yeah. me too. But it's also like, I wouldn't, I don't think I would want to be, be English because I feel like that is, um, that's a, you have to deal with so much history and sort of reconcile yourself to that fact. You know, oh, yeah. you know, Stephen Dedalus's old thing of history is a nightmare from which I'm trying to awake. You know, you have to sort of deal with your personal history and you have to deal with your family history. And I mean, of course we all have to do that, but you know, I think I think it would be a lot more difficult, personally, especially if you were like an artist or something living in England. Is that like um, something they actually like addressed in like your schooling there? Like in the England? history was it that in depth? Uh, because because um, like I can only imagine like the U.S. history class. Sometimes yeah. that is like a stress, and that's yeah. only like three hundred yeah. years. But like their curriculum is probably yeah. like horrifying, you know? Yeah. Cause it's, <laughs> It's, it's definitely a lot more, and um, you get—I uh, can't remember history classes too well, but I definitely remember 
like just walking around and you know people would say something and it, it would just be like a reference to some historical event i would know nothing about there's just so much to know but i, I feel like there's also i feel like there's also not it, it's not too much more difficult you know yeah at least from what i remember yeah. i mean i don't know I, i'm a history nerd i kind of like to get to history but I, yeah that that part when i like realize how big that is yeah. like it always was been like a a question of how much history do they have to learn compared yeah. to me. Maybe that's why I like it so much because yeah. I don't learn it nearly as much as they do. But yeah. it it's interesting. Yeah, because... no, but history's great. Like um, the other day, I was in my English class and my professor was talking about like the fall of the Soviet Union and how things have changed since two thousand and how he was talking about that in relation to like uh, Yates's idea of like. Uh, Yates basically thought 2000 would be like a landmark year and everything would be different after that and the professor was like talking about ways it was true and some ways it wasn't and um, I just remember like sort of feeling all at once at one moment like the grandness of history like how much there is out there all of these lives sort of expended and gone and uh, yeah yeah. you you feel kind of small and all that but it's like cool that we're in a time that we can really appreciate it. And you're you know? also a part of it, you know. Yeah. You're not outside of it, but you you belong to something, you know, history. What do you what is like your favorite history to kind of look at? My favorite history um my I think my the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned that is the history of German music. Oh, uh, I'm wow. really I'm really into um sort of Austro-German musical tradition and I think it's it's incredibly interesting how it I don't want to drone on too much about it because you know no, it might yeah. be a little boring but it like just the whole development of it like from Bach on one hand over to Schoenberg on the yep. other and just that it's an incredible sweep that um and it, it's it's really a tragic story because it it ends with um it ends with the Nazis right it yeah, ends with true. The yeah. second world war oh yeah and, you know so uh, i mean one of the things there's a really good um book about this not just about music but about like german german because um did your uh did your german teacher ever tell you about how like the epithet for germany was uh it was like thinkers and poets uh, denker und, um, dichter, you know and how like that that was the whole that was the land where you had all of this great poetry coming out of all of this great music coming out of you have Bach and goethe and you have beethoven and mozart and you have all of that and somehow it all ends in the barbarism of third reich yeah and so that sort of you know history of you know in you know incredible sophistication on one hand descending into incredible barbarism yeah. on the other i find it really interesting that is that is really interesting yeah. actually i mean I, and in, in music you can see that really explicitly because everyone is sort of reaching back to bach or everyone yeah. is trying to you know everyone after Find that time yeah everyone yeah. after beethoven is trying to deal with beethoven how do we compose after beethoven you know it, it's i find it incredibly interesting that's the first thing I thought. Oh yeah, that's that's really cool because I was thinking of, that just kind of brought up my thoughts about like my German class. Like mm-hmm. the best parts I liked about my German class wasn't even learning the language, even yeah. though that was fun. Mm-hmm. But it was learning that history and stuff like that, like uh, New Schwanstein Castle yeah. and like the awesome like uh, the Grimm brother, uh, the fairy tale path. Yeah, uh, I forgot the name specifically. I, I remember. Yeah. But, yeah, like, that history was, like, super rich. And it was all really taken away, like, that metaphor of barbar- barbarism. Yeah. <laughs> barbarism. I can't really say it, but... <laughs> yeah. 
I, I thought that was a really great way to put it. Yeah. Really, no, that you have every good reason to like that history because it is very poetic. Yeah. And me, I don't even really know what I. I don't like like all aspects of history, but I think like a lot of what I've been trying to look at recently is like American sports history uh-huh. because of how quickly that has like grown in the last a hundred years. Like you look at the NFL, you know, it's a super power all year round, even though it's only on like for a third of the year, a half of the year. Like, yeah. and I kind of was been looking about more and more about like the history and like the people that made this such a big thing you know because now it's like such some something that so many people i know love and it's something that i love you know not necessarily everybody but everybody has like a sport or something like that that they kind of watch and something like that and there's just so much history behind all that and it's very interesting like in the nfl like a lot of the teams that we know and love today like started in the Ohio, of all places. Ohio. Yeah, like, oh, Ohio, shit, Ohio. But they, like, went all over the place, and they've just grown from there. And for the longest time, they were never really a profiting business because you're literally playing a children's game (laughs) on mainstream, you know? But, like, it's so intriguing to see that growth and see that people actually start taking that to a whole new level. What for you is one of the most interesting stories in American sports history? American about? sports history? Yeah. Like being like a team or a player. Oh, God. Like a moment. Uh, there's a lot of, that's a lot of stories. But there's one, I really want to look further into the Titans, the Tennessee Titans. Which, if you don't know, is a team in the NFL. They're based in Tennessee. But basically, it's not necessarily like, their wins and their losses. I want to know more about their teams because they had like a really great team that they went to like the Super Bowl in like 1999 or something like mm-hmm. that. And then like before that, they were like the Oilers and went like multiple times. Like they were a powerhouse and they were all led by like the same quarterback. And I forget his name at the right now. Well, no, it was like three different quarterbacks and they were all black quarterbacks. But they were all like extremely leadership driven men. And like they they all had like very crazy like stories to like their lives and like I wanted to kind of go more into those and see like how they got so far and went so far because like I don't know, there's a lot of history in that team. There's a lot of history in a lot of the teams, but for some reason that one has stuck out to me a lot recently, but I could say stories for so many other ones, like even like the Green Bay Packers. We got a bunch of history with Vince Lombardi and all those people. Like I don't even know how much of a football fan you are, but I can go. Yeah, you can. I mean, I can go pretty far about like the stories. But what do you like for like sports? Like I know you don't like football. I don't. I don't really follow any sports. I I love fencing. I fenced in high school and I followed fencing. Okay, that, school, that's pretty cool, actually. I haven't been following it since I got to college. But, like, so, like, fencing's in an Olympic sport now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I think it was, has been in the Olympics since the first Olympics. Yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't it like the, the Olympics is, like, almost 200 years it's old a, now, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, it was, like, 1880-something. Yeah, something like that. But it's weird to think about all those, like, 
different sports and like each individual one the more you look at them they're all kind of like their own art in a way mm. i mean that's kind of a way that i think has really engaged me more with like football and stuff like that because like football is really complex it's got a lot of like plays and everything but you could say the same thing for soccer with like the different yeah. formations and like the different plays that you do to be able to get the goal open and fencing i, I honestly don't know enough about fencing yeah but it always seemed fun to me because it's just like more artistic form yeah. of like literal sword fighting, right? Yeah. Is that a good way to describe it? That kind is, of? yeah. Because um, it's like, I feel like it's just like taking moves that you would use to actually like hurt people and just kind of like actually turning them into something in a beautiful way of just like yeah. building points off of it in a way, right? Yeah, it's it's a very beautiful sport. I think, um, I remember, I think when I was in like, I watched, uh, and I'd already started fencing by this point. But I think the moment when I was like, "Oh, this is this is something really special," I was watching a video um, by uh, Yuki Oda, who is like the world champion a while ago. Uh, and uh, in the video, he sort of traces the movement of the tip of the blade, and um, through all of these movements, and you, so you sort of see this green thing flashing across the screen, and it's making these very intricate patterns. And so it's, I I just think it's in, incredibly beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that also just reminded me of like other things about sword fighting as a thing in general. Cause like that's something that we really don't see anymore. You know, like yeah. no one needs to. Yeah. But like it's such a cool thing to think about. Like in all different like different yeah. cultures, like European medieval knights sword fighting with their broadswords. But from or like the sacra, you know, the samurai. The samurai with like their lawn katsunes or whatever. You know. Mm -hmm. Like, they all have their distinct little things with each little one, and I don't know, I like, it's it's definitely a beautiful thing. It's definitely one of those things that I watched during the Olympics. Alright, and we have just come up on just over an hour now here with Ishan, and there's really only, like, one thing I really want to ask you before we shut this segment down, and it's, uh, what's something you've really loved recently? That you've just kind of seen recently and you just really love that thing it doesn't have to be a specific reason but go ahead and give me something if you want one thing i love is uh this poem i'm gonna read a little bit to you from not the whole thing because it's a long poem but um this is t.s Eliot's four quartets he's published the first one in 1939 and then published three more throughout the 40s uh, it's a series of four poems from the second poem, uh, I think about these poems every day, honestly, just because it just contains so many just nuggets of wisdom, um, and they're so great. He's basically refracting his Christianity through, you know, uh, Hinduism and like everything, you know, and it, it's it's incredibly interesting. He's basically trying to uh, reconcile his Christianity with the modern world and uh, oh. try to try to you know sort of figure out how does he how do you keep moving forward. Um, and so this is from the second poem in the four quartets called East Coker. This is from the third section. And uh, I've been feeling pretty hopeless lately. And this is a uh, thing I think about a lot when I think about hope and what does it mean to hope. How do, how do you go on? So this is from the third section. Um, yeah. And this part starts, I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait without love, for love would be love of the wrong thing. There is yet faith, 
but the faith and the love and the hope are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you are not ready for thought, so the darkness shall be light and the stillness the dancing. Whisper of running streams and winter lightnings, the wild thyme unseen and the wild strawberry, the laughter in the garden, echoed ecstasy, not lost but requiring, pointing to the agony of death and birth. You say I am repeating something I have said before, I shall say it again. Shall I say it again? In order to arrive there, to arrive where you are, to get from where you are not, you must go by a way wherein there is no ecstasy. In order to arrive at what you do not know, you must go by a way which is the way of ignorance. In order to possess what you do not possess, you must go by the way which is the way you must go by the way of dispossession. In order to arrive at what you are not, you must go through the way in which you are not. And what you do not know is the only thing you know. And what you own is what you do not own. And where you are is where you are not. And of course, he's playing with Saint John of the Cross at the end there. It's very beautiful, and I think about that most times of the day because it's not—it's not necessary to hope and think, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But just the act of waiting and going through living is an expression of hope. Yeah, thank you very much, Ishan. That was—that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you for coming on today. And that's just the VME. That is just the VME. And now on to the first segment that we added to the show, the bacon-making, entertaining moment of the podcast. This is a segment where I give a fun and interesting fact that I think more people should be able to know about. And today's fact is about cockatoos and the recent discovery of their use of tools to do jobs. The journal Current Biology posted... On February 10th, a research breakthrough in which cockatoos were found to use tools to be able to accomplish jobs such as fishing or extracting seeds from fruit. Now, apparently this is a very rare occurrence in nature as only chimpanzees, humans, and a few other primates have been found to actually use tools to be able to accomplish something like this. Now, I feel like there's a lot more animals that actually do this in the world. We just do not observe it. But the fact that a bird can use a stick and puncture into a fruit and just, like, take out a bunch of seeds is just kind of crazy to me, you know? They basically are making a makeshift straw to scoop out the seeds and eat them. Like, bruh, I barely can put the straw into my boba tea top sometimes. And I barely even drink boba tea. Sometimes I can't even get the can of my Coke open. Like, this is some crazy stuff, man. So, good job to the cockatoos. Uh, don't advance any further. We really don't want you to. You guys are really annoying enough copying everything that we have to say. So, you can keep your tools. And we'll keep on making fun of you. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the Hopefully you enjoyed the content today. I've put a lot of work into this one. And I hope that everything you've listened to today is something worth listening to in the future. 
and that's just the BMB. Thank you.